Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.exzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome everyone to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is Greek gods. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated later in the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research in the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We're only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize, and neither of us have any particular knowledge of Greek or other mythologies or the humanities. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. Going to talk about the gods of ancient Greece, with the major gods of Roman mythology being similar, 
but the Greek gods were, are more original. Without overcomplicating it, why don't you provide an overview of the Greek gods? You could spend a lifetime studying the subject, but I will try and keep it simple. Let's start with the Realm of History website, which describes three generations of Greek gods, starting with the first generation. Quote, Gaia, the Greek goddess who plays the role of a primordial deity, Protogenos, thereby regarded as the mother of all creation and associated with Earth. Aranos, also called Uranus. Aranos was one of the Protogenoi associated with the sky and thus also regarded as the companion to Gaia, symbolized by the Earth, unquote. Why would the Earth be symbolized by the god called Uranus, the name associated with another planet? Apparently because the planet Uranus was named after the sky represented by Uranus. Other planets like Mars, Jupiter, or Venus were named after Roman gods. Who were the next generation of Greek gods? Those were the Titans as follows, again from the Realm of History website. Quote, Kronos, the leader of the Titans, who were the offspring of the Protogenoi or primordial deities, Kronos or Cronus, was associated with time, fate, justice, and sometimes evil doings. Hyperion, the Titan embodying the heavenly light, while his sister wife Thea, meaning divine, was the manifestation of the brightness of the blue sky. Oceanus, the Titan also called Okeanos, who personified the massive river Okeanos that was thought to encircle Earth itself, thereby being associated with all fresh water. Atlas, the Titan Tass, or rather punished, for carrying the weight of the heavens on his shoulders. And Prometheus, the, the Titan credited with the, the creation of human life and associated with fires and kilns, unquote. Why did the gods need to be in generations? Gods should be immortal. What happened to each generation? Gaia's fate is unclear. Apparently she could give birth without a father. Her son and partner, Oranos, is apparently somewhere in the universe, unable to return to Earth. The Titans ended up in a place called Tartarus, a dungeon of torment for the wicked, used as a prison for the Titans. Who were the third generation? There were 12 major gods who lived on Mount Olympus, the highest mountain in Greece, and one other in the underworld, Hades, where the dead were believed to go. Zeus, the son of Cronos, was the king of the Olympians. He was associated with the sky, weather, law and order, destiny and fate and kingship. The other gods included the females Hera, Demeter, Aphrodite, Athena and Artemis, while with the other male gods, including Apollo, the god of light, music, prophecy, etc. It is interesting that the number 12 pops up again for a group in the same place. Each god seems to have human abilities and personality traits, implying that humans inherited their traits from the gods. Also, the gods personified the human environment. The third generation gods were parents of well-known demigods, such as Her Heracles, named Hercules as a Roman god, whose father was Zeus, while his mother was a mortal woman. With Heracles or Hercules having incredible strength, it's almost as if today's superhero movie characters could have been based on the idea of Greek demigods. So were the third generation gods immortal? Being a god should mean immortality, but with the spread of, <coughs> excuse me, but with the spread of Christianity, belief in Greek mythology had ended. The plot of the Star Trek original series episode who mourns for Adonis, explains that the gods being no longer worshipped scattered their atoms to the wind. In the episode, Apollo had survived along with his character traits, but fades into nothing at the end of the episode. But outside of science fiction, the three fates were involved. So who were the three fates? They were three um, sister goddesses who determined for humans when life began, when it ended and everything in between but free will still existed. The three fates told Zeus that his reign had ended and that the 12 gods must leave Mount Olympus. Changing the subject a little, why did the Romans adopt the Greek gods? Due to the presence of Greek colonies on the lower peninsula, what is now modern Italy, it is apparently, uh, it apparently was more of a fusion of mythologies into religion, 
with the gods from Greek mythology having human characteristics such as love, jealousy, or hate. The Romans built temples throughout their empire honoring the gods with worship occurring inside the temples, which were considered to be the home of, homes of the gods. What other ancient cultures had gods similar to those in Greek mythology? The Better India website describes eight similarities between Hindu and Greco-Roman gods. One, Krishna and Achilles. Both heroes of their respective mythologies, Krishna and Achilles were both killed by arrows piercing their heel, the only vulnerable part of their body. Indra and Zeus. Both Indra and Zeus are the kings of the gods. In addition, their weapons are thunderbolts, in Indra's case called Vajara. Both of them slay a sea monster. Indra's opponent is the serpent Britra. Zeus fights and vanquishes Typhon. Yama and Hades. Both lords of death, they preside over the netherworld. They also share other characteristics. Both decide the fates of the souls that pass into their realm and both are deeply concerned with justice. Cerberus and Shavara, the hounds of hell. Shavara was Yama's dog, and in Greek mythology, Cerberus is depicted accompanying Hades. They guard the gates of their respective netherworlds. Ceta and Persephone. Both Ceta and Persephone were abducted against her will, Ceta by Ravana and Persephone by Hades. The myths also tell of both of them disappearing under the earth, albeit under dissimilar circumstances. Arjuna and Achilles. Before the Kurukshetra War, Arjuna is reluctant to fight. Before the Trojan War, Achilles is reluctant to fight. Both, however, are extremely skilled warriors and heroes and do ultimately take part in war. During these wars, both, both lose men who they deeply loved. Following his son Abhimanyu's death, Arjuna pledges to kill Jaidrat. Following his comrade, comrade Patroclus's death, Achilles pledges to kill Hector. Kamadeva and Cupid. The gods of love and desire, both Kamadeva and Cupid shoot arrows into the hearts of unsuspecting people to make them fall in love. And finally, the eighth comparison, Mount Kalesha and Mount Olympus. Kalesha and Olympus are both real mountains that exist today. Both are also deeply significant in their respective mythologies. Kalesha, the home of Shiva, is described as one of the pillars of the world. Similarly, Olympus is the setting of many Greek myths and the home of the 12 Olympian gods, unquote. Cupid was the Roman god corresponding to the Greek god Eros, so for the Greek gods, the comparison should have been made with Eros. So the implication is that the gods or the people moved around, or both. India must have been a long way from Greece on horseback in ancient times. Other sources give more and more similarities between Hindu and Greek gods, but also similarities between gods of other civilizations, such as Sumer or ancient Egypt. That could suggest that traveling from one location to another wouldn't have been a problem. So if they were beings with superhuman powers, or at least for ancient times, that should make them gods by definition. I think I know where you're heading. Before getting into modern interpretations for the gods, let's talk about Prometheus and the origin of mankind. The mythology website gives an account, quote, while the other Titans were imprisoned in Tartarus, Prometheus and his fellow brother, his brother, sorry, Ep Epimetheus, escaped by fighting against their fellow Titans. They were then given the task of creating man. Prometheus used mud to make the shape of man while Athena breathed life into the sculptor. I think we'll have to continue this quote after the break, Justina. Yes, we'll continue after this short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Axon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, Dad, you were quoting from the mythology website about Prometheus and the origin of mankind. Can you please continue with this quote? Prometheus then asked his brother to give all creatures of the earth their unique qualities. Some were fast while some were smart. He also gave them their physical qualities, such as fur or wings. Epimetheus worked hard to complete his task, but by the time he'd reached man, he had given out all the good qualities that were available. Prometheus stepped in and gave man the ability to stand upright just like the gods. He also gave them fire. Even though Prometheus had fought with the Olympians during the war with the Titans, he was more loyal to man than he was to the Olympians. So when Zeus demanded that man must give up a portion of each animal they sacrificed, Prometheus knew that he had to find a way to help man and trick Zeus. He made two piles, one with meat hidden inside an animal hide and another with bones wrapped in fat. He asked Zeus to pick which one he would prefer. Zeus chose the bones because he could see the fat. He was, une- he was unable to see the delicious meat hidden in, in the animal hide. Realizing that he'd been tricked, Zeus sought revenge by taking far away from man. Prometheus knew he had to give man backfire as they would not survive without it. He took a torch and lit it from the sun. He then used it to give fire back to man, which again enraged Zeus. It is easy to see that Prometheus considered man to be more important than his loyalty to the gods, unquote. We don't have time to explain how Zeus uh, ultimately punished Prometheus and how he escaped his fate. So that's how man was created. There is no mention of woman. The mythology website provides the explanation, but don't shoot the messenger. Quote, even though Prometheus was very clever and was able to trick Zeus several times, he would eventually be punished for his actions. Zeus was still upset about man having fire, and he needed a way to punish man as well. He asked Hephaestus to create a beautiful mortal. The gods all gave gifts to Hephaestus' creation, most good, but Hermes gave the mortal a lying tongue and a deceptive heart. The mortal was the first woman named Pandora. The final gift from the gods was a jar. Pandora was told that she was forbidden from opening the jar and was quickly sent to Epimetheus, who lived among man. Prometheus knew that Pandora was a creation of Zeus and warned his brother of of possible ill intentions. But Pandora was strikingly beautiful and Epimetheus could not turn her away. During her stay, Pandora grew more curious about what was in the jar. One day, her curiosity finally got the best of her and she opened it, releasing plagues, evil sorrows and misfortunes that man had been oblivious to before. At the bottom of the jar, there was hope. 
Pandora was able to seal the jar again before hope escaped, unquote. The word jar was mistranslated and the container is often referred to as Pandora's box. Ignoring the male chauvinism for a moment, how is this any of this relevant today? Prometheus shaped man from mud with, according to a CNN article from January of 2018, the ingredients of life are found in meteorites that crash to Earth. Quote, although two 4.5 billion year old meteorites crashed to Earth in 1998, it's taken until now to uncover some of their secrets. Two meteorites called Mo Monahans and Zag are the first discovered to contain ingredients for life liquid water, amino acids, hydrocarbons, and other organic matter. A chemical makeup analysis of blue and purple salt and potassium crystals from the meteorites was published in the journal Science Advances on Wednesday. Although it's not exactly proof that life exists beyond Earth, the traces of water in the salt crystals could date to the earliest days of our solar system. The researchers compared it to finding a prehistoric fly preserved in amber." Unquote. Amino acids are organic compounds that combine to form proteins, the building blocks for life. All living things are dependent on the earth for providing the materials, including water for life. But mud was used to shape man, not necessarily to create man, presumably women too. There may be a hidden meaning in using mud. But were all the necessary building blocks ready in place, or did the earth have to be hit by enough meteorites, or perhaps comets, or asteroids to have supported life. That's for science to determine, I guess. But moving on to where the, the mythology of Greek gods has influence on the modern world, I've been reading the book Odyssey of the Gods, subtitled The History of Extraterrestrial Contact in Ancient Greece by famous author Eric von Daniken, published in 1999. The following is from marketing material for, for the book. Quote, Eric von Daniken's monumental charts of the gods changed the way generations have looked at mythology, ancient history, and the possibility of advanced beings from other worlds visiting Earth. Now he tackles the history of Greece and again challenges our beliefs about how our civilization arose. Using painstaking archaeological research and evidence from the writings of Plato and Aristotle, he suggests that the Greek myths were in fact very much a reality and that the Greek gods were actually extraterrestrial beings who arrived on Earth many thousands of years ago, unquote. If they were extraterrestrial beings, that would help explain the similarities between the mythology of gods and various different cultures, separated by thousands of miles. But could the Greek gods as extraterrestrial beings have been instrumental in the creation of humans? Humans have been around for 200,000 years based on the earliest fossils with the correct anatomy. Greek mythology was only written down in the 5th century BC, so it may be older than that. Fully developed Greek civilization is only about 3,000 years old. That suggests that humans predate Greek gods and that Greek mythology is just that, mythology. Is there any challenge to how human prehistory is taught? For one, author Graham Hancock in his book Fingerprints of the Gods, published in 1995, a London, Telegra a London Daily Telegraph article from October of 2015 with an issue with the author provides the following background. Quote, 20 years ago, Hancock set the cat among the academic pigeons when he published a book called Fingerprints of the Gods, a re-evaluation of mankind's past that claimed an advanced civilization was wiped out by a giant comet towards the end of the last ice age. Based on Hancock's own investigations and interviews with the archeologists and astronomers, the book claims survivors of this cataclysm, the giant flood, remembered in myths all around the world, went on to settle in locations from Mexico to Egypt and impart their ancient knowledge to the other remaining humans." Unquote. Hancock suspects that another cataclysm may be on its way as soon as 2030, when another comet in the same meteor stream as for the previous cataclysm will again be in Earth's vicinity. Aren't both Eric Van Dyke and Graham Hancock contribu contributors to the long-running show Ancient Aliens on the History Channel? Yes, they are. The 2010 episode entitled Gods and Aliens with Eric Von Daniken as a contributor has the following description. Quote, 
Myths and legends have long been regarded as fantastic stories that describe powerful gods, mutant giants, and fearsome monsters. But why do so many different cultures separated by vast distances tell the same stories? Is it possible that myths and legends were really eyewitness accounts of ancient astronauts descending to Earth? Ancient texts are filled with the stories of gods interacting with humans, offering wisdom, technology, and even impregnating women. Could the demigods of mythology have been the offspring of alien and human unions? If so, could aliens have supplied the missing link that accelerated human evolution, advancing our civilization and making us who we are today? Unquote. It's time for the first question. Why were there three generations of Greek gods, starting with Gaia and Oranus, followed by the Titans, and a third generation including the 12 headed by Zeus on Mount Olympus? Basically, just how everything needs to have generations. So showing the evolution from one generation to the next to the next, where each generation has its own skills and weaknesses. So was that based on the way that human generations followed one another? Humans, even animals, where there are different generations, meaning different things. Why are the planets mainly named after Roman gods? Basically, since that's what the people worshipped at that time. So since it was so prominent in their everyday life, they decided to name the planets after that too. Why was Gaia believed to be primordial, existing from the beginning of time? Basically showing the existence and how everything was created. So you can think of it as almost related to different religions, where there's always a creation story. What was Gaia's and Uranus's fate? Basically not a good one. So eventually their flaws would come to the surface and they would, in a way, be defeated. Is that all in mythology or was there more to it? Mythology-wise. Why were the Titans associated with light, fire, fresh water, holding up the planet, etc., which, which are all necessary to maintain life? Basically, you have the creation story with the first generation and the second generation. Basically explains why everything is how it is. So it explains how the elements came together, which is a theme in a lot of religions and spirituality, with how the different, all different elements came to be. Why was the Titan Kronos different, being associated with time and concepts like fate or justice? Basically to describe how humans needed to understand time and these more theoretical instead of physical reasoning. So they needed something to explain why everything was why the way it was, which includes that type of concepts. Why would the Titans as gods with supernatural powers remain in Tartarus? Why wouldn't they be able to escape? Basically limitations. So every generation has limitations to where they're, they're, there's positive things they can do, but also that they are limited on. But we'll have to continue after this short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the goal for it online course the course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success go to findhiddenmoney.com Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit iconquality.com. 
Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, Dad, you were going through the questions in Psychic Insight about Greek gods. Can you please continue with the questions? Why were there 12 gods led by Zeus believed to live on Mount Olympus? Basically the explanation for everything. So how humans functioned, how different events occurred, were all explained by everyone living on Mount Olympus. Why does the number 12 again appear as in the 12 disciples, the 12 knights at the round table, etc., in this case for the gods living on Mount Olympus? Again, 12 is a good number for a group of people, so everyone can voice their opinions, but also come to a conclusion. So 12 is just seen over and over again in these groups of people. Why did the 12 gods personify human traits, abilities and activities, as well as the environment? Basically to explain why what was happening to humans was happening. So if humans could somehow believe in their minds that there is this reason behind why things happen, then these events became less scary and more predictable. Did the 12 gods personifying human traits imply that either humans were descended from the gods or that humans received their character, character traits from the gods? Basically, it's the opposite, where the gods related to the humans to explain how the humans were. But that also meant that the humans related back to them. So in a way, you can think of it as a rotating circle. So again, it is all mythology at this point. Correct. With the onset of Christianity, with the third generation gods being no longer worshipped, were there atoms scattered to the wind? You could say so, yes. Is there any basis for the Star Trek episode, Who Mourns for Adonis, in which Apollo, the god of light, music, prophecy, etc., has survived along with his character traits? Basically, it just relates back to the mythology. So it goes back to all different myths that existed. At the end of the Star Trek episode, with no room left in the universe for the Greek gods, Apollo begs to be taken away, fading to nothing. Does that imply that the other gods survive, but to just fade away? That could be said, yes, where over time they just faded. Because there was no longer any belief in them? Correct. Was the fading away in the manner of their atoms being scattered to the wind taken straight out of Greek mythology by the Star Trek writers? Yes, 100%. Did the end of belief in Greek, Greek or Roman gods mark the beginning of the Dark Ages when civilization seemed to be going backwards? That could be said, yes. Why would the ancient Greeks believe that the gods like Zeus would father a demigod with a mortal woman as a mother, such as... Her Heracles. Basically because love comes in many forms. So just because someone's just a god and a human, it's still possible for recreation to happen. The three fates apparently determined that many aspects of a person's life were predetermined, but also that each person had free will. Why does this belief ring true? Basically since in many different times in history, and throughout religions and spirituality, there's this common belief that there's creation. There's this upper being or beings who are not really in charge of creation, more to guide these humans. And then during this process, humans also get to make their choice. So this is a theme even when there's a singular God versus multiple gods, is that there's somehow involvement in everyone's lives on a daily basis. 
Why would Zeus and the other gods leave Mount Olympus when told to do so by the three fates? Basically, since they didn't want to cause any issues. So to them, it was just what they needed to do. Do today's superheroes, as seen in comics and movies, have any origin in Greek demigods? Yes, 100%. Since there is this idea that humans can be saved, and they may be the gods, or it could be superheroes. Why is there a need to create fictional superheroes in the manner of demigods, as is so popular today? Basically, it makes it so people aren't so afraid. So in a way, it makes them feel better since they believe that maybe someday something will help them and help the world. Why did the Romans consider their temples to be the homes of the gods? Basically, so they could visit them. So just like in church where people believe that they can pray directly to God, it's the same concept where having a place to go makes them more likely they can just spend time in the moment and pray to whoever they want to pray to. Why were the Hindu and Greek gods Krishna and Achilles similar in that both were killed by arrows piercing their heel, the only vulnerable part of their body? A lot of different cultures believe very similar things. So you can say that people had similar concepts and imaginations. Why were Indra and Zeus similar using thunderbolts as a weapon and then and in slaying sea monsters? Again, basically the same answer. But to add thunder and lightning always has always been very difficult for humans to understand. So that's why it's seen as being more powerful. Why were Yama and Hades similar in being lords of death? Basically, since hell and death in an underworld are very popular in many different cultures. So this underworld where people may not return from is a fear that many people share. Where did the ancient Greeks and ancient Hindus get the idea that the dead go to an underworld rather than completely ending their existence? Basically to keep more people in line. So if they are more fearful of the underworld, they will try to do more positive things so that they don't end up there. And it also is kind of a fear tactic too, where nobody wants to do anything wrong to themselves since they're afraid that they might end up in the underworld. If they lived virtuous lives, would they believe they would end up somewhere else? Not always, no. But they wouldn't go through the torture of being semi-alive while still in the underworld. Why are there similar dog-like creatures guarding the respective Greek and Hindu underworlds rather than different types of creature? Dogs are seen as more person's best friend, so it's a concept that anything can turn on humans, including dogs, but they also have this protective nature to them. Why are Kamadeva and Eros so similar in shooting arrows into the hearts of unsuspecting people to make them fall in love? It explains love to people, so it explains that there is this physical thing that happens for people to fall in love since the concept of psychological or emotional ways to fall in love were not very much known. Why was the heart rather than the brain chosen as the target for the arrows? The heart cannot think, so the heart just goes with what it wants instead of the brain holding it back. Why were Mount Kailasha and Mount Olympus, mountains that are real enough, real enough today, thought of as homes of the gods? They were out of reach for the people, so they couldn't, so people couldn't travel to the top and see what was happening. So the mystical idea is that if they lived anywhere, it would be just out of reach. Overall, why are there so many similar, similarities between Greek and Hindu mythology? Basically, with people coming up with similar imaginations about what was possible and explaining similar concepts. So one thing that humans will have in common is that they have very similar thought processes when you really break it down. So there are a lot of concepts that the humans want to describe and understand more, which is seen across the board. So that also explains the similarities between the Greek gods and the gods of Sumer or of ancient Egypt. Correct. And that also explains why so many different cultures separated by large distances tell similar stories about their gods. Correct. With so much commonality in ancient myths and ideology, why is there so much conflict in the world based on differences in ideology? 
people focus on the differences instead of the similarities. So if groups of people just sat down and talked, they would realize that so many people are, are so similar in many ways. However, humans naturally go to what's different about them instead of what's similar. So if you sit down different people from different religious groups or even more spiritual groups, you would realize that there's not too much that's different about them. It's just the focus on those differences seems a lot more than what it is. Should we be worried today that certain groups of people are stereotyped as criminals or undeserving, as appears to be going on currently? Yes, there is this concern, and there also the question that every single person has to ask themselves is that who are they, how do they get the power to judge what a group of people are or what a person is doing? So what type of power are they trying to give themselves by doing that? So instead, uh, it's important to look at a person, realizing that you have no power over the person, no power over the group of people, and by talking bad about them or making assumptions, you're actually just bringing yourself down by looking honestly dumb or trying to stereotype other people. So inclusion is what makes the world go around, not exclusion. Why would the ancient Greeks believe that man was created from mud? Is it because bodies are returned to the ground? Yes, in a way, yes, where it's a cycle of life and the life begins with the earth. So there's this concept where nothing can be created without the earth that everyone stands on. Did the building blocks of life, liquid, water, amino acids, hydrocarbons and other organic matter arrive from outer space carried by meteorites or did they also already exist on Earth? There was a combination. So some was formed on Earth while others came from other places. Was it necessary for meteorites to bring different materials than were available on Earth? It was necessary for them to bring other materials. Well, I don't think we got time for the next question because it's quite a long answer. So I'll throw it over to you, Justine, and maybe you could talk about the Facebook page. Yes, you can find us always on Facebook at Too Good To Be True with the first two spelled T-W-O or on Instagram at 2DTBT. And we'll continue after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good To Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? 
The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. And before the break, we are going through the questions and psychic insight about Greek gods. Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Why is it believed that humans stand upright to resemble the gods who are represented as looking human-like in Greek art? Basically, just the similarity. So again, the creation. So you can think of that for many different religious aspects, where there is the story of creation. So for example, take in the concept of Adam and Eve. They're human in a way, even though they were in the state of start of creation. So humans believe that in general, when they are getting created from something, it has to look very human-like. How did mankind survive before discovering fire, or was fire used from the beginning? They did survive beforehand, but it was only a few that survived. So when there was no fire, it was a very complex, very backwards world, you can say where humans were a lot more animal-like than they are today. Why is the creation of women in Greek mythology associated with a lying tongue and a deceptive heart? Because at the end of the day, a lot of cultures believe that even though they didn't treat women with respect, they weren't very respectful. So without women, there are no babies. There is no more creation. A man cannot have a baby, obviously, and a woman has to go through the whole process. So it's almost in a way of an insult, but also something that's showed some respect for women. Why was Pandora forbidden to open a jar or box similar to Adam and Eve being forbidden to eat an apple from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? The temptation. So it shows that throughout anyone's life, there's always going to be temptation. And every single temptation also comes with a choice. And sometimes this choice leads to negative consequences but other times leads to positive consequences. Why is the opening of Pandora's jar or box releasing plagues, evils, sorrows, and misfortunes that man had been oblivious to before, similar to the result of Adam and Eve biting the apple? Basically showing that sometimes temptation is not something that someone wants to go for. So sometimes it does have these negative consequences, and they, in some way, should actually listen. So it shows that sometimes when someone tells someone not to do something, they'd rather just go do it. In the story of Pandora's Box of Jar, why is, it, why is hope retained when retaining hope is not reported for the life of Adam and Eve? Basically the positive aspects too. So it shows both ways that things can go. Why don't modern Western religious, religious beliefs include the ideas from ancient civilizations, including multiple gods, especially the Old Testament belief in one God who did not promote mercy or forgiveness. Basically, humans think that they are smarter than those ancient civilizations, so they think they have evolved. In many ways, humans are going backwards and going back to the times when there was a very dark world. 
So instead of judging the ancient civilizations, sometimes it's best to research them and you don't have to fully believe what they believed in, but at least understand where they're coming from. Is the God of the Old Testament based on the Greek gods? The simple answer is yes. Is famous author Eric von Daniken correct in his theory that the Greek gods were actually extraterrestrial beings who arrived on Earth many thousands of years ago? What can be said is that there have been many visits from extraterrestrials throughout history, and sometimes they were worshipped, yes, but other times humans did make up stories. So that's where the studying about ancient civilizations, someone has to make their own belief about what could be true in their minds and what couldn't. With humans having been around for 200,000 years and with Greek mythology only written down in the 5th century BC, 7,000 years ago, how could Greek gods possibly be involved in the creation of mankind? There are many different creation stories. So at the end of the day, it's not about Greek gods versus Roman gods versus the gods of today. At the end of the day, it's the topic about where the humans come from. So you can have the creation in the form of gods, but you also have the biological evolution creations. So it's a very difficult topic, since at the end of the day, it's one of those topics that may never be solved. So the creation of humans to a lot of people needs to be explained by one way or another. But nobody thinks about combining different creation stories and trying to get to the bigger picture. Is author Graham Hancock correct in thinking that an advanced civilization was wiped out by a giant comet towards the end of the last ice age over 100,000 years ago? It's possible, yes. It can not, cannot be said at this time without further research, but it would be possible. Did survivors of the advanced civilization that was wiped out by the giant comet settle in locations from Mexico to Egypt to impart their ancient knowledge to the other remaining humans? It's possible, but still needs more research. Is author Graham Hancock also correct that a great flood is recorded in myths all around the world? Yes, it was. Why do myths and legends describe powerful gods, mutant giants, and fearsome monsters? Basically, fear and what possibly visited. So during these times, it's not known what all the creatures visiting were. Are the ancient myths and legends associated with extraterrestrials visiting, visiting or living on our planet? Sorry, are the ancient myths and legends associated with extraterrestrials visiting or living on our planet? You could say so, yes, for some of them. Why are ancient texts filled with the stories of gods interacting with humans, offering wisdom, technology, and even having children with human women? Basically the interactions. So interactions with different beings, you could say. But again, it really depended on the individual situation. Did extraterrestrials supply the missing link that accelerated human evolution, advancing human civilization? What can be said is that extraterrestrials did not did have did have a hand in making sure that humans became what they are today. So not necessarily providing the link, but instead making sure the timeline events was fulfilled. Why did the human race of many different ancient cultures feel the need to honor and worship many different gods, including some with human frailties? Basically, since they wanted to describe every possibility in their own lives, so it was easier, instead of fearing, they could explain that something happened by the power of these gods, so it was almost a comfort to them. Why is it today that so many people are fascinated by worshipping multiple gods rather than a single god? There's still this curiosity that's not just one god being whatever you want to call it rules over the planet, was in charge of creation, and then is responsible for everything. So there still is this fear in some people's minds. They don't know where they come from. They don't know what to believe in. So a lot of the time people study Greek and Roman mythology when they are really searching for what they want to believe in and who they should believe in. So the ultimate takeaway from any religion, mythology, spirituality, is that each person has to decide for themselves. So it's no one else's place to tell them what to believe in, who to believe in, to believe in one God or many, 
just because it's the most popular belief doesn't always make it so it's a real or soul belief system to have so then the day popularity should not equal what you believe in what can we learn from the mythology of the greek gods basically that humans want to explain everything and as science becomes more and more at play it started explaining different concepts However, going back to so many different shows, not this one in particular, there's so much that humans don't understand. So sometimes it's easier to imagine things or explain things with mythical beings instead of actually trying to figure it out. However, with regards to where humans came, came from, there's still a mystery that humans are yet to fully solve. So there's something that's going to be hard to get proof for. So in the meantime, each person has to figure out what they individually believe in, since having some belief system is very important. That was the last answer. We're advanced beings from other worlds who visited Earth to help humans along their path. Too good to be true. That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, I must say the surprise in tonight's episode was that, um, that these myths that were similar or are similar evolved independently in different locations and different cultures. And uh, it, and I guess the ancient alien theory was that um, they were somehow uh, due to um, extraterrestrials being worshipped as gods and having this commonality throughout the planet. So that was really the surprise for me. Well, I think the interesting point for me is that different mythology isn't really studied. So the only way I know anything about Greek and Roman mythology is actually through books. So in school, children aren't really taught about any of these concepts, which can be argued either a good or bad thing. But I actually learned a lot from even the research about the generations of gods since I knew about Zeus, I knew about Hercules, but I didn't know about all the other generations. Yeah, I think we had a disclaimer at the beginning that we didn't know anything about the humanities. I think when they're leaving high school, maybe going to uh, uh, to study a uh, degree in humanities, maybe that will come more into it. But I don't think it's in everybody's everyday education much about the the the, the Greek mythology. Uh, one thing I was interested in was the fact that the Romans believed that gods lived in their temples, and I wonder if that's got anything to do with the modern idea of the church. Well, on that note, I'll mention our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True with the first two spelled T-W-O and our Instagram page at 2GTBT. You can always go there, make any suggestions if you have any comments about today's shows. And as always, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to next week's show. children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. 
Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.